everybody. I'm Andy Weinberg, and welcome to episode 45. 45. 45 of the David Wasikinen In the Pocket podcast here on Wildfire Radio and Philly Rock Radio. And of course, you can find all of our episodes at in hyphen the hyphen pocket dot simplecast dot com. Want to before we get started with this week's very very talented guest, I want to mention our sponsors, the great people at Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates in Lansdale, Pennsylvania. They're working with autistic children, teens, and young adults, as well as other behavioral diagnoses. You can uh, call them at 267-663-7141. They do great work over there, so please give them a call if this is something that affects your family. And I want to thank our friend also, Eric Metz at CroakerPercussion.com for his continued support of the show. All right, well, Dave, for the second week in a row, we have a member of the great, great Philly band, The American Dream. How about that? But this guy... Has done so much oh more since then. I mean, we could spend four hours talking about all the yeah. things this guy has done in music and movies and TV and voices. His name is Nick Jameson, and yes, he's sir. calling us all the way from Iceland. <laughs> how you doing, Nick? How you doing? Going by in. Hey, Nick. How are you, bud? Doing good. Oh, man. I was so excited, man, that you were coming on. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, the American Dream, I've been a fan of Nick's forever. Even before I knew, yeah, knew we've known each other yeah, quite a while. Yeah, a long time. And uh, but I remember following Nick before we knew each other. I mean, in the American Dream, right. I was a fan of the American Dream. And then I remember, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point in the hour. Um, I remember seeing you play at the Bijou Cafe when you just put out oh, Already right. Free with that great. My friend Eric Parker was playing drums, who I later on became yep, friends yep. with, still friends today. And I didn't yeah, realize yeah. it later that Shane Fontaine was playing in your band. He wasn't even Shane at the time. And you had you had quite a quite a yeah. band. And that record was um, I, I, different than any record I ever heard before. And you played a lot of the drums on that record along with Eric. But you had yeah, that because Eric of your engineer. On, yeah. I think I played on I played drums on two tracks. Yeah, and Eric played the rest. Man, but Nick Nick has been a, a, a Philly legend. Um, and, and last week, we, you know, he we was mentioning because Winkle was on the show last week um, on the right. podcast, and uh, so we we we've gotten to the American Dream uh, a few times. Uh, legendary band to, to put out just really one record that still is like uh, just revered here in the city. And with my project in the pocket, I've been able to <clears throat> to talk about that band a lot and the members of that band and what you did for guys like me who we. You know, looked up to people like you and Wink and uh, right. Don and, and you, Mickey. And Eric Mickey, did, uh, Eric did too. You know, Eric did uh, the, the, the I ain't searching and and wanted to yeah. pocket. Right, and you know, you know, it's interesting too because uh, you know, if it wasn't for Nick, we would never would have had the song One of Us, and I'll tell you why. Because Nick, why? Nick, yeah, I'll tell you. Here's how this goes back. <laughs> like when, okay, Eric was just, you know, he picked up the guitar and he wanted to play everything like Nick. You know, like, well, you know, learning his Nick's licks and Nick, Nick told him one day, you know, that's impressive, but you want to write your own songs. And that's where it started. <laughs> <laughs> hey, kid, play your own songs. And then I that's know. started yeah, he was, it. He was like this brilliant mimic. He could play yeah. anything he heard. Right. And he would just nail it right away. Yeah. He was very good at that. I mean, you know, you know, like you, he's good with languages as well, because my family oh, being yeah. Finnish, my parents were always impressed with the fact that he would come over my my house when you know when my parents were alive and we'd hang out and he'd be reading these books in Finnish and he'd figure right. out all the 
you know the letter it's you know the different alphabet and he would yeah. figure it out and he it, like he would speak to my dad like within 15 minutes oh my God. he's saying finish words and and uh all the wrong ones that i didn't my dad was like you told right, him yeah, to say ones, fuck dave <laughs> but uh, wait how do you, how do you say back. yeah exactly how do you say fucking finish uh no see Oh, okay. <laughs> so did we just offend all our Finnish listeners? Yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, but what are you gonna do? It's me. But um, he was pretty good at languages. Like, and Nick is also uh, very good at that. You know, I mean, I'm Russia. more good at I would say dialects and accents than I am at languages. Yeah, um, and, you know, well, you, I've you do a, a pretty good languages over my life and forgot most of them. <laughs> yeah. you, you do a pretty good Russian dialect. You were pretty scary as the uh, Russian president on Twenty Four. So that yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, I mean, I, throughout my film and TV work, that's something that's really worked for me. It's helped me get more jobs, and it's something that I do well and that I like doing, and it helps me build a character. So that's yeah, it's remarkable your career, I, Nick. Like what you've done. Like I, I'll tell you <clears throat> another quick story though. That when I moved to LA, 1990, um, I just got there. Nick invited me to the comedy store, and Nick said, "I'm doing stand up." And I remember I didn't had no idea. I had no idea that you did that. And I went, I just didn't, I was like, Nick, I just pictured you with a guitar in front of a microphone singing or in a studio producing, doing what you right. do. And I, it just didn't connect. And I still remember going down to the uh, the comedy store. I think it was the com the comedy store. It was next to the Hyatt. Yeah, it was, yeah I, that's where I did most And of my you stuff. were so funny. I remember thinking, oh my God, he's so funny. It was such a great show. You even brought your, but you brought your guitar on stage and you did this bit and you did this improv comedy thing yeah. that was remarkable. Yeah, I should point out that I wasn't really technically doing stand-up then. I was doing improv stand-up. Wow. I, it was all, and I, I was an improv snob. I kind of looked down on stand-up because I didn't get it. Ah. I mean, I loved like Richard Pryor and George Carl and uh, these sort of epic guys, but the regular club thing, it wasn't an inspiration to me at that time. And looking back, I was like, geez, I can't believe, you know, now that I'm into stand-up, right. it's like I could have, you know, started writing my own stuff. I'd have my own sitcom and I'd be too good to even talk to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> he was good though. I but remember was Nick, I, yeah. I was so blown away, man. You were so good. I remember leaving thinking, I oh, God, what can you do, man? Because you're a good drummer oh, too. Flattered. You were, oh, which thanks. is well, I was. Good drummer. I can't play drums for shit yeah. anymore. But you were good, you know, because a lot of guys they think they can play, but you were like a you could play a groove. You could like really put it down uh, when you yeah. when you were playing, uh, which is a lot of guys playing guitar. You know, they got ideas for it, but you could actually go like this is how it's done. And what I always loved about you, Nick, is that that sound of that record that we've all, we've talked about that. Cause I remember when you worked with the Hooters producing, you said, I wanted that. I told you, I wanted my snare drum to sound like that snare drum. And you, you right. actually tuned that snare drum. I remember yeah, you had that. I did, yeah. But yeah. the problem see is that you have got such a powerful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We kept knocking it out of tune. right? I away. know. Like, I know. I'm better at that now. I'm better at that oh, now, though. Yeah, yeah I've like gotten better. You know, I still got... I, yeah, I think you could get away with yeah. that sound like with a mid-tempo thing or yeah, something. Yeah, I, I do it. You right. know, I, at the time, it was like everything was like just... Bam. Now I'm kind of more dynamic in that. But, but Yeah, but, you had more of a crack like in most of your records. Yeah, there, yeah, snare, yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which which totally works for you. It's yeah. great. But it was it was fun messing with that, though, because I, I am, have very fond memories of that drum sound in that album. I've never been able to get that from any kind what of sample or anything. yeah. And you were yes. an analog dog, man. Like I remember picking your brain about working 
you played uh, Levon Helms drums uh, one night when he was going. You told me that story oh where, the, where you cracked crack the snare drum. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's tell our listeners. Yeah, tell Nick. Okay. Remember? Yeah. We were doing a, uh, I was working with an artist named Cassie Culver, and it was late at night. And they decided, okay, why don't you play drums on this tune? And Levon's <laughs> drums happened to be set up in the studio. Yeah. And so I played his drums. I, I, he wouldn't mind. He was a friend. And uh, but I broke his snare drum head, and it was like we went Oops. to bed, at, you know, late, or late at night, wee hours in the morning. I figured I'll get up in the morning. I'll buy him a new head. I'll apologize. But they got in there before I got a chance to do that, <laughs> yeah. and he just used it, and he yeah. did it like for the rest of the record. Yeah, I can't remember which record it was. It right. was like, I think it was. Either right before it was right before the last waltz, I think. Wow! Did he ever? Like, did he ever say <laughs> anything to? Helm used my Damn. drum sound, and my drum sound consisted of fucking up his snare drum by breaking <laughs> he, it. But Nick, he never he never asked you about it or said anything to you about it. No, he never said shit. Wow! Was like, okay, um, he yeah. seems happy. <laughs> That's <laughs> cool. Was that at Bearsville? Was that at Bearsville? That was Bearsville. Yeah. Wow! You did a lot of stuff there. I mean, I did. Yeah. yeah. I, I really learned how to engineer there. And I, I loved the console there. Yeah. There's a quad eight console. Uh, I love the EQ on it. And I've uh, been searching for, you know, ever since to try to find EQs to sound like that. And, yeah. You know, I get close to it. But yeah, that was kind of a match. It was a very rough room. It was just a big concrete room with some fiberglass thrown up. Wow. At that time. Yeah. Man. But, uh, Legendary yeah, room I got some good drum sounds there. Yeah, I, I mean, I learned I learned how to get my sound there. You yeah, know, I learned what I like and what I yeah. don't. Yeah, and that was a great time. And it was unique. I mean, it, it would definitely, you know, for me in my ears, I always loved that. And also, there's one other legendary story too that I I, I don't know because we've got a lot to talk about, but I remember I. I we were. I was picking your brain about that fog hat thing experience when you were mm. recording, and I always thought that you recorded that record at Bearsville, which you told me later that you recorded in Vermont at a studio. Yeah, where he cut. Um, was it either Slow Ride or one of the songs where the yeah power we did well we did all the Fool for the City stuff there, and I mixed the live stuff there, and I did my first lot, my first solo album there. Ah, and it, the power went out. Do you remember that story? All in Slow Ride. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't it was slow ride. That came together very quick. They brought it over. Yeah. Kind of like an acoustic bluesy thing. Yeah. And then we went down. I kind of made it more rocky and we just sort of yeah. got an arrangement together and played it once. Um, then we went up to Vermont to do this thing. So, oh, yeah, let's do this slow ride thing. And we finished arranging it in the studio. We came up with that little. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. And then we then we cut it one take. Power goes out uh, right after the main song part. We were going to do the whole long jammy stuff at the end. And a power goes out because there was a blizzard there because we're in Vermont and it's yeah. fucking January. Or yeah. And uh, for five days, we couldn't hear it back. That's amazing. <laughs> so, Taylor, Taylor, throw I'll on think, slow I'll ride. I think it was good. It felt but, good but to so me. we can keep yeah, talking oh, also. First take, you know, but I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, what do you think? And we went out and watched, I can't remember which one. It was one of the Monty Python movies. We went out. To the you know because there wasn't much to do around there, we just went out and watched. I think it might have been the. Oh, there we go. Yeah, that's so great. 
to this day still but you, kicks Yeah, ass. I mean, you you produced and played on and engineered one of the great rock albums of the 70s. Uh, Fool for the City is, is you know, it's Podcast's biggest album, and, and it yeah. would have sounded completely different if you weren't involved in it. That's, Indeed. <laughs> that's pretty cool. I mean, it, Yeah, I think I was able to bring enough of the stuff I was into, but without, you know, messing them up, you know. Yeah. Because they, they were what they were, you know, they were a blues rock band. Great band. Out of Savoy Brown. and yeah. But I brought in some little funk bass and some yeah. different textures and stuff. Yeah. I think I, hopefully just enough that it made it more interesting without screwing it up. And your bass playing, I mean, people don't really, I mean, that was something that you kind of reluctantly got into that role because Tony, was it Tony that quit the band? And then yeah, up, they had a falling out with Tony and um, uh, they asked me to do it and I First of all, they said, "Can you play bass?" I said, "Yeah, <laughs> lying." <laughs> and because uh, you know, if you're a guitar player, you yeah. think you can play bass, right? And um, then, uh, yeah, and they asked if I would do. It. I said I would do it for a year because yeah. I figured we're going to be in the studio anyway for a while, right? And I did. I really joined the band just because I liked the guys. I thought it would be fun. Yeah. Um, and I, but I knew I didn't want to do it for longer than that because I'd kind of moved on into other kinds of music. Yeah. So. What was it like, though, being a, a you know kid from Philly? Well, I, actually, I know you'd lived all over growing up, but you were, you know, at that point, you kind of established in Philly. And here you are with these, yeah. you know, these British, uh, you know, established British musicians. Did they accept you right from the start, or was there any kind of uh, personality clashes? No, nah, the you only, right yeah, in? no, I, I knew them because I, I produced Rock and Roll Outlaws. Yeah. Right, okay. I think it was their previous record. That's a great we record, to, too. Yeah. We went to Wales and produced yeah. it at Rockfield, which is basically a farm that was yeah. turned into a recording studio. Right. I just want and to make so love we, to you on that. We knew each other. We were, we were very uh, comfortable with each other. Yeah. And they were just they're just great guys, you know, and we just always had a great time. We were all into British humor and we yeah. were just constantly screwing around and cracking each other up and stuff. And Roger's still killing it, too. That, Huh? Roger's still, oh, yeah, Roger's still killing it. I yeah. mean, still out there touring with Fog, and and he just, you know, he's the, you know, the leader of the ship there, man, and just doing he it, is. man. It's impressive. And they sound great. I mean, they uh, really do. Wow, man, you know that that blows my mind because, you know, he he's he's not forty anymore. You know, it's ridiculous. No, I know, but he's killing it. I mean, yeah. He's a monster. I love it. I, I mean, he's it. playing better than ever. Really. Yeah, that's so great, man. And I was going to be mentioned that. Um, a rock and roll outlaw. That was that was a great record too. I owned all those records. I love those records, man. Really yeah, cool. that one. That that studio in Wales. I think they they refurbished it since. I think it's still going. I think a lot of big records have been. Yes, I, I could be wrong, but at that point, I think it was a place that Dave Edmonds liked. Yes, and that's why we ended up there. They did a lot of the first record there. They did mo almost all the first record there. Yeah, and uh, it had this funky old broadcast console with these distorted preamps you could not get a clean sound in there <laughs> and it was it drove me crazy at the right. time because i was like oh come on man this is bullshit you know right but it adds a certain character to it you know yeah and so that that record's kind of got that i mean nowadays with digital recording people are spending a fortune on plugins that mimic that kind of stuff all kinds of distortion plugins and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, we didn't have a choice <laughs> at rockfield well you ended up joining like with with um as I recall, you telling me about um, "I Just Want to Make Love to You," that you, you know that had a signature sound. When you heard that on the radio, it was different than anything I ever heard. Yeah, and and you told me that that was a little bit, uh, you know, you couldn't clean it up, and so it actually became this sound, right? Is that that became? Yeah, they brought it to me. Then when I first met Foghat, they brought me the first record, wanted me to do some stuff, 
And one of the things they said, can you clean this vocal up? And I said, uh, do I look like my name is spelled G-O-D? <laughs> there was just no way to do it. It right. was tape distortion, basically, because Dave Edmonds said, uh, you know, I think he had had a few too many that night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dave liked to drive shit into the red anyway. Yeah. But this was way beyond. This was way beyond Roy Thomas Baker and all of that. This was like just blatant trashing of the sound yeah and, and at the time i was like yeah i agree it's pretty fucked up but yeah. you know yeah. i can't do anything to it i just can't yeah there's nothing you can do to it even it, nowadays there's really wouldn't be much you could do to it and uh, so yeah they went with it but it had a, it had a thing and well and it's it t- today oh yeah i mean that song you know bands bar bands everybody i mean they play yeah. that song and it that it's just uh you yeah, know. my blues band plays. Uh, that's one of the ones I sent you. Oh, oh yeah, we, we can play a little later. Hey, Nick, are you the reason that uh, my babe ended up on Fool for the City? Because obviously, American yep. Dream cut the old Righteous Brothers song on on your album, and yep. then and then yep. Fogg had the I, killer been, version been, of it. Every band I've ever been in does that song <laughs> since since I was fourteen. Wow! I learned it from the Hullabaloo's, which was a sixty. Yeah, band. I know. Why not? After their heyday, right? they, ended up, they ended up play, they ended up playing the Athens Hilton. Yeah, like on top the lounge at the Athens Hilton, and they sounded great. They had a new guitar player. Yeah, um, Mick. What was his last name? God, I can't remember. He really influenced me. Uh, and they did My Babe, and they did Something's Got a Hold on Me. Another song I tend to do with every band. Um, everything but, but literally i think my babe has been in every band ever. uh, like, oh, come on we gotta do wow. my babes yeah. yeah well in the in the pocket we played does it. a great version with wink wink, yeah, wink still it. does it he, he played it on our show last week acoustic i it, just played it with i played it with nick winkle and nick and i am i think one day years ago wink was uh, nick was staying at my place and we oh, went right. over to we went over to the renting terminal and we were i don't know why but we played a renting gig terminal? yeah we played this gig we were up on this um i don't remember yeah that. It, it, we played this gig and we played my babe and you know wow. i loved it because i got to play shuffle you know i didn't get to yeah. play shuffle and, it's and my shuffle. favorite version i think of that is uh the old spencer davis group one wow okay. you know with steve winwood yeah you know, he's the way she walks I mean, she, they just he just kills that oh man well Fawcett's version is fantastic too and it fit right right in between uh, slow ride and fool for the city that's a hell of a side of music right there yeah. Oh, that t- t- speaking of all the kind of humor we used to get into, Dave and I put like some background. Some of the, the background vocals, a couple lines we changed to French, you know, <laughs> and there were it was all kind of in the background and face, so you could barely tell. But, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. So they they left us all for. way too soon. Rod Price Lonesome and, Dave. and, and yeah. Lonesome Dave were just like I, I I think I've seen I saw him at least five times alone in the spectrum. He was, yeah. he was, they were always playing there and, um, you know, yeah, just yeah. A, what a that performer, was, man. Yeah, yeah. We just lost Craig McGregor too. My oh. replacement when I left. Yeah. We lost him, I think about a year ago. Oh man. Uh, sad yeah, to hear, so you know, such great. Thanks for thinning. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Well, rest in peace to all of them. Exactly. Great, great it's, guys. Yeah. Let's jump ahead. Dave mentioned this album earlier. Let's jump ahead a couple of years to 1977 and your solo debut, uh, Already Free. Uh, 
Right. It, 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 you can find it, by the way, on iTunes, the whole album for four ninety nine. So after you're ah. done listening to us, everybody should go out and pay five bucks to download this album because it's fantastic. Yeah. And, uh, or I don't know if you have a website where they can get it, but uh, it's uh, it's. I a, don't. Okay. No, I'm terrible with social media. I'm the okay. most pathetic. You right. know, well, they can go. They the can times. go find it on iTunes for five, or you can listen to the whole thing for it's free. Great record for free on YouTube. But, I got. Uh, I have it on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> I have an old record player, and I have it on. It's one of my. Uh, I love that record on vinyl. I have that Jeff. Beck Orange album. They were my two like go tos on like oh, vinyl, wow. and that record yeah. because that record just has a sound. Um, did you master that as well, or did you bring it to somebody? To uh, I, I worked with Bob Ludwig. Oh, he was the pretty guy good. that I always worked with. Yeah, I mean, he's one of the icons in mastering. Yeah, and he was a good bud, and we spent a long time on that. Actually, wow. Wow. we spent a long time on Fool for the City too. Wow, and there's a long story behind that. But, yeah. but we used to like. Uh, not on every record, but some records, we'd spend several days mastering something because, you know, nothing was automated then. You would just start the side exactly. and you'd do all this stuff on the fly with analog EQs and compressors and just changing all the settings real quick. Wow. I remember we that were was doing talent, like bringing man. in these old Pultec and equalizers and stuff you would normally never use. And wow. Yeah, I, I got real finicky on that. I and you had to, to have really skill represent. to pull that off because that was all about timing and hearing it, was, it and yeah. it had to happen like at the moment. I mean, like I remember watching some mixes. I, you know, I, I've been around long enough where I've seen guys like multiple hands on the board <laughs> when oh, things yeah. are getting done. No, you know we, what I mean? I've done that. With, yeah. Uh, yeah, I get many hands on the board. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Do we have anything? Yeah, we do. We have Well, we have the title track. We yeah. got... Uh, uh, I love Sweet Heat was one of we my can, We can play a little Sweet Heat. Sweet uh, Heat's cool. But, but, uh, before we do, I just, I mean, Paul Butterfield, who I know you would play, you had uh, played in his band in the early 70s, and then he brought yeah. him back and had him on your album. Uh, so obviously, cool Yeah, Paul, we but. had actually, uh, I was in San Francisco after I left Foghat. I went from LA, my last gig up to San Francisco, and then and studied music up there for a while, like harmony and counterpoint and orchestration and stuff. And I got a call from Butterfield. It's like, hey, Nick, you want to start a band? So I go, oh, all right. I'm out of here. <laughs> you know? uh, we did that for a while, and it, you know it was good stuff we were doing. But I just felt I wanted to make a solo record. You know? Yeah. And but yeah, he came in because uh, he he something. So, let's see, in the blue, I know for sure, and yeah. and already free. We were, we were I was doing with Butter in that band, wow. and then so when I did him again, of course I had him play on it. No kidding! And, oh wow! And yeah. then another one uh, when the blues come calling. It was it was just so great to have him do that. Oh man! Because he he's just one of my biggest influences. He was one of my best friends in Woodstock. He always had my back, and he taught me so much. Wow! So much I learned from him about the blues, like. You know, more than anybody. And what could I say? What about a, what, you know, what a band too. I, I remember seeing that show and I was just blown away. And I just, I loved it. I still even remember the double cutaway guitar you were playing that day. It was a sunburst cutaway guitar you were playing. I don't know if you remember. Oh, it was an L5S. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. what I had two of them. Yeah. I had two L5Ss and I had two PV amps. And this is all geek talk. I don't know how yeah. many people out there can relate yeah, to this. Yeah, plenty of musicians. We got a lot of musicians on this. Yeah. To us. yeah, yeah. Well, one one amp was clean, and one amp I had sort of crunchy, and I would use a pedal to switch back and forth. That was the extent of my pedalness. In those days. It yeah. still is. I still don't use pedals. Wow. I mean, and it's yeah. funny, too, because Shane was playing with you. And Shane, I, when I see Shane, uh, Shane plays with Graham Nash, and I run into him. He he, ha he doesn't have one of these high-tech. Um, he uses just a bunch of little pedals, like, uh, just yeah. to get a sound. And it's all, you know, in his fingers. And like, yeah. You know, 
and he's still just a brilliant player. He gets he, one of my favorites. And man, that he show, I remember you and Shane playing, and I was like, oh my God. I was just a kid, man, just knocked out, just thinking, my God, listen to this, man. Yeah. It was amazing. That's why I wanted him in the band, because he was so different from me and so different from anybody. He was he was kind of Andy Summers before Andy Summers. You yeah. Know? He yeah. was a textured guy. Yeah. It was all, you know, he had that flanger, and he'd, I was thinking with an MXR flanger, and he yeah. set it up to get that kind of rich chorusy sound he was like an orchestra yeah you know and i'm out Still there playing like two blues and kind of jazz licks and stuff like yeah. that yeah and, uh, so yeah it was a good combination cool. interesting there was we originally we were auditioning people uh because we had a guitar player and he left and um one of the guys we auditioned was chris hayes oh, yeah. uh who ended up with huey lewis yeah i know chris and uh, being a great guitar at yeah. the time though he was a jazz guitar player wow. player and brilliant he was yeah a great jazz guitar player and a good but guy i felt he was just getting into rock and we were ready to go on the road and i thought it wasn't quite right at the time um but yeah and then he went on to do great things but then mick yeah. came along and was like oh yeah this is we're, we're adding technicolor now yeah it was cool. I'm. Really, I still. I. It's like yesterday. I know it was years ago, '77. But and Ed Shockey played that record a lot. Uh, rest in peace, Ed. But he played that record a lot. He, he. You know, that's one thing about Ed. It was in a day where if he liked something, it, it wasn't like you had to go to a bean counter to tell you it's going to get played on the air. Ed, Ed oh, played yeah, Ed record. He played. Stuff, he yeah. played Sweet Heat. On All right. Well, let's hear. It. Let's hear. It. Taylor, Heat. turn it up. We'll, we'll pull, go full volume, and then we'll fade it down a little bit halfway through the song, and we'll resume the conversation. Okay. awesome nick did you play bass on that yeah i played everything on that actually. ah that's it you drum into that's awesome the yeah, bass, the bass played, playing is I incredible bass, i put bass clarinet and dave i gotta tell you i used the hooter before you guys <laughs> there's there's not only a melodica on yeah. there in the i put this makeshift horn together with a uh, clarinet melodica bass clarinet wow Wow. And that's what's in there. Wow. And yeah, you can hear it. Yeah, uh, bass I, clarinet, a uh, bass melodica, and a melodica. It's one of my. It's, I tell you, it's one of my go-to records, man. A lot of, I love this record, man. I, yeah, it's wonderful. Oh, it sounds thanks, great. Man. 
In case you missed it, the song is called Sweet Heat. It's on Nick Jameson's 1977 solo album. Already free. And you can go on iTunes right now. Well, not right now because you're listening to us, but after you're done listening to us, go on iTunes and buy. My man's a badass. We're 99. You can't beat it. It's it's uh, and that's just one. I mean, maybe we can play another song too, but it it sounds great. It's got the the funkiness that's going on. Yeah, it reminds me a little Little Feet, which I know is one of Dave's all-time favorite bands. Yeah, yeah, I was really influenced when I did that record by that whole Woodstock scene. Yeah. Which was, I guess, today you would call it Americana, you know, yeah. which is kind of a silly term, but it was all this very rootsy stuff. It was guys like Butterfield and, you know, Bonnie Ray came through there and just uh, uh, Dave Sanborn was there, who you don't think of as a rootsy guy, but he yeah. was playing on all those records. Right. Just this interesting combination, Howard Johnson, the great tuba player and, and horn arranger, mm. um, Dave Holland lived there. And it was just great musicians. I mean, and Jeff Muldaur and Maria Muldaur. Yeah, right. You know, the, the sure. really, it was like really from the ground up music. You know, it wasn't, we weren't doing much sort of poppy stuff, you know. Yeah, well, this part right yeah. here, you could, it's it's very jazzy too. I mean, you got a little yeah. jazz. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm doing my George Benson licks. <laughs> I, I love, uh, you know, that the one thing that I really appreciate about serious radio xm radio right now is that there's some radio stations where like you know i'm hearing some paul butterfield stuff and some music that i would never hear on the radio and i'm being like oh you know because they got these deep track things and some blues shows where you can really hear some music that like uh i'm being introduced to like whoa man check this out you know Uh, and he was such a great singer too butter you know yeah do we want to Terry, let's play if you guys don't mind. Let's play a little of the title track, already free, and, and which, yeah. which features Paul Butterfield. Yeah, he's playing acoustic harp no kidding. on there, and which, which, was, which he was good at too. Which is not he's not as known for, but he was playing this, this very simple, straight ahead acoustic harp. All right, let's yeah, let's turn it up. Already free. Girl, you feel like grooving, but you can't sing the start. You got some kind of shit. Such a sweet simplicity What does it take to make you see That you're already free A whole lot of confusion Doesn't have to be You don't need to believe in What you can't see And you don't need an answer To what's on your mind Just listen to your heart, girl
Oh, Nick, this, man. A, this is another one of those songs that's every bit as good, if not better, yeah. than the stuff that gets played to death on classic oh, rock man. radio today. I mean, this, you should be still hearing this. I mean, on the radio. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah. I like that one because, it, like, the bass is kind of the lead instrument. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. It's like one of the first things you notice is the bass. So, sure. you, you know, because uh, another, it is kind of a bummer. Nick was. Um, Nick, remember when you broke your foot? Nick, you were mountain climbing and oh, yeah. you broke his foot. Yeah, you, spent, life, yeah. you spent some time, I think, when you were. Re- I think you learned you learned some other instrument when you were recuperating from that. But I think well, you let's were. See. You Honestly, I was, st- I was really into you guys. At yeah, that point. but you stole. Yeah. You told me the story about um, the bass thing because Stanley Clark when they, the bass. This is where you gave me the Stanley Clark story about. The Fog Hat gig, and you just shed it Stanley Clark's licks, but then you made your own musical licks out of what you learned yeah. from Stanley. Well, I had to learn to play bass real yeah. quick, so yeah. it was like, okay, who do I like that's playing? There yeah. was a guy from Tower of Power, and yeah. I don't Rocco. remember his name. Rocco. Uh, yeah. Rocco. Great yeah. bass player. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, really, influ- really influenced by Will Lee, who was a friend. Yeah. Yeah. And I worked with a bunch of times. We used to just hang out and talk wow. about stuff. And he, and he, I really learned a lot from him. Great player. And yeah, uh, yeah I was listening to Stanley Clark, all that kind of fusion yeah. stuff. This is before Jacko yeah. hit the scene. Right. I guess those Both were the Philly guys. Both Philly guys, though. Know? Stanley was from Philadelphia, and 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 Jocko from from uh, Northtown, Bridgeport area. You know, it's he like, was. I yeah. thought he was from Florida for some. No, he, he unfortunately, I think that's where he was where he passed away. But Jocko grew up out here. Uh, you know, Conchahawk and his father lived Damn. out here. He, matter of fact, Winkle and I play a little place called the Rib House. Jocko, his dad signed. <laughs> no, Jocko signed. He was staying. He was in. He was out of it at the time he signed a friend of his um he was staying overnight one night and he signed wallpaper he signed his name on the wallpaper and the guy woke wow. up and said what the fuck what are you doing he goes trust me that's going to be worth something someday right, <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and, yeah and it's yeah, hung yeah. up at the rip house now now it was before jocko wow. was jocko but right, uh, you right. know um he told the guy he saw the future and uh, the guy now has it hung up as a you know it's uh, in a place of honor there at the rip house but he's a you know yeah. both philly guys and you too yeah you know yeah 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 i i never tried to play like jocko i just thought okay that's yeah beyond me. That, that's, that's crazy in another oh. realm yeah. i'm you know but boy, you play great. You you know play great bass. Oh, man. that's thanks, great man. stuff, man. Hey, you uh, know. Be- before we get out of the seventies, do you want to talk at all about your time with Tim Moore? Because I know there's some people. In yeah. Here. Oh yeah, he's a very talented guy. Uh, also a Philly guy. You know, he was I, in a band. Yeah, yeah. He was in a band called the Muffins uh, with Daryl Hall uh, and uh, Tom Sellers. I don't remember who the other guys were. But he's a great songwriter. Yeah. He wrote a song called Second Avenue that yeah. was, you know, sort of a mid-chart yeah. hit. And then Simon, Gar- Simon Paulson, not Paulson, uh, Art Garfunkel uh, right. covered it. And yeah. he did pretty well with it. It's, yeah. it's just one of my all-time favorite songs. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. He's a real talented guy. And he's still making music. He's doing all kinds of stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Steve, Steve Shive played with We him. have a good friend of ours from my oh, my neighborhood, right. Steve Shive, that, that uh, played drums with him, who actually, Steve helped me get my start because he was playing in a band called Sundance and he couldn't, he got the gig with Tim and he called me because can you sub my gig? And I never played with horns before. I was, I think, 18 years old and he said, would you oh, come wow. play? And and they were playing Earth, Wind and Fire and I was playing, ro- I, was playing I, I was playing oh, Fog wow. and I was playing Fog Hat <laughs> right. songs and then all of a sudden I got this gig for a year and I had to kick horns and it really taught me a lot you know it was like oh, oh yeah and that's kind of helped to my my own style of playing i was like because oh, i was hearing the horns i'm going 
oh, I'm going to kind of go where they're going, you know? So it was yeah, like trying to lay it down. Rich on, you know? Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of, uh, you know, it all influences us somehow. But, you know, thank you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Nick, you didn't put out another solo album until 86. Uh, do we want to talk about a, yeah, cr- a crowd of one? Sure. Um, I kind of went on a detour and just got into all of this stuff. I got in, I went on a kind of spiritual quest, and I also educated myself because I'm a high school dropout basically. Hmm. And I just found all these things I wanted to learn like poetry and literature and, and classical music. And I just studied a lot. There was a record was that you made and the record that you made that I, I thought that we would record together. I was gonna, I was hoping to work with him on that, the, the illusion, the, um, uh, sequel, Jonathan Livingston, uh, uh, oh, that navigator. Yeah, I wanted to do that uh, with you. Yeah, yeah. and that it, was that was uh, later. That was um, after I had oh, okay. my rock climbing accident. Oh, yes. That was right before I uh, started acting. That right. was kind of the last the last musical project. Great record too. The demos on that were just great, and I was like, oh man, it'd be fun to play drums on this. Yeah, and, nothing uh, ever you know, happened yeah. with that. It, the business people kind of got in the way of it. They always do. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It was unfortunate. But yeah, your 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 '80s album, A Crowd of One, came out in '86. I mean, that definitely—it's a total different sound from from already, from already yeah, free. Yeah, it's very '80s. Yeah. I, I'm almost embarrassed as how '80s it is. <laughs> yeah, we all have our details. But you did. Have, I mean, it, it was your one as a solo artist. It was your one Billboard. Uh, it, it charted in the Billboard Top 100. Uh, the song "Weather Right, right. And then, uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then Jack and then Wagner covered Jack it. Wagner yeah, covered Jack Wagner yeah. yeah, covered so, it. Yeah, do you, do you yeah, to, it's do, much poppier. I yeah. mean, I think there's some good songs on it, but in a, in a way, I mean, I was on Motown Records and they were pushing me to, you know. Do you, do you want us to play a, a snippet of Weatherman or would you rather us not? Oh, no, that's, that's fine. But, yeah, yeah, this, sure. is what, this is what Nick Jameson was doing in the mid-80s, and it certainly sounds like the mid-80s. It's yeah. called Weatherman, and it did chart on the Billboard Top 100. Yeah, there's another song in there I like better, but go ahead and play it.
It's like a Toto level 42. Yeah. You know? I know. You know? There's I mean, some more, it's different, more original sounding yeah. stuff. There's one called yeah. Last Act of the Desert yeah. Man and one called Savior. Yeah. Is that oh, right? and there was a song on there that got into a movie. It was in the Fine Mess. Oh, it was okay. a Blake good Edwards good. movie. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, Love's Closing In. I still got money from that. <laughs> Is it, was that a Roger Lynn playing drums or Ricky Lawson? <laughs> it was Roger Lynn. I thought so. Oh, oh, like Roger. Weatherman was Weatherman was it? Yeah, it was all Lynn. that was when I first got into MIDI. Yeah, right before I made that record, I just sort uh. of MIDI was kind of happening. It was like, okay, I'm going to do this because I'd always just played everything organically. Yeah, sure. And I got a Lynn 9000 yeah. and just sequenced everything, and yeah. I, it was really fun. I, I, mean, I really got into it. Yeah. The spontaneousness of it. Yeah. Interesting. Well, as we all know, real people are better than machines. Always. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we all got to go through that, I guess, so, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's know. useful. You know, I mean, I still use, you know, loops occasionally, yeah. stuff like that. Sure, you know? yeah. They serve a good purpose, I think. We're now yeah. mixing them up with real... I use yeah, an SPDSX. Yeah, I like, Yeah, I like it. Right, 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 yeah. Cool. We're going to talk about the recent music you sent us and, and some of the stuff you're doing now, but before we get to that, I, I do want to talk about your acting career. And because you've had, according to IMDb, you've, you've had 238 roles. So right, that, right. That's, a, that's a hell of a lot of credits. Um, can you talk about, and again, we'll get into your, your more recent music because I definitely want to hear some of this, but just uh, can you talk about getting into acting and, and the voice work you've done? And, I mean, because I mean, you totally reinvented yourself as an artist. Yeah, well, that was after a Philly story. I was out, uh, I was out there climbing at Livesey Rock over there, you know, <laughs> this sort of bouldering area. Right, right. Dirty rock climbers out there, yeah. and I soloed something I shouldn't have, and I fell yeah. off and I cracked my ankle, broke the tailor's bone, oh, and then God, for the next year I was in and out of the hospital. I couldn't do shit, oh, and Motown dropped me because I couldn't make a record, yeah. and. Um, and I was like heavily in debt because I didn't have uh, health insurance. So I was looking around for something to make money. And I had a friend who did voiceover. And I thought, well, I could do that. Yeah. And which was ridiculous. But it turned out I could. Yeah, you I'd could. Because I've been messing with voices all my life. Yeah. I didn't really get into it. And then that led to acting, which led to improv comedy. And then I fell in love with the whole thing. Yeah. It was completely different from music because you're not hibernating in a way mm. in a studio. You're not on the road. You're going out, especially in voiceover. You just go out there and you do your thing and you interact wow. with the people and you have a good time for an hour. And then you go home and they pay you. You know what I mean? So I really liked that. And it made me a much more social person, too, because it, all, of, all of acting and stuff is a team effort, mm. you know, much you know, you're you so fearless, Nick. I mean, it is really impressive to see that you can adult, you know, and, and you'll just, you just, I'm going to do this and you do it. I don't think, you know, it's like when I saw you do the comedy, I'm going, wow, I don't think there's anything this guy won't try doing. And, you know, you believe in yourself and you just pull it off. I mean, it's, it's remarkable, man. <laughs> it's well, impressive. the secret is I never know what I'm getting into. You know, if I, I mean, I go out to L.A., you know, yeah. at age 40 to go start an acting career. It's yeah. insane. Yeah. You know, but I didn't know it was insane. So I yeah. just did it. You know? Yeah. Well, you're, and you're, I didn't know. I had no idea how hard the acting business was and stuff. I, you know, I just had a particular skill set. and mm. I was able to make it work. Well, you're, yeah. you're, you're part of the, the Star Wars universe. I'm sure you've made some money there. Uh, can, can you give us a little Chancellor Palpatine? Oh, God. It's been a while. <laughs> Young, you was sickening. Uh, that's great. <laughs> Must turn to the dark side. <laughs> oh, by the way, Dave, awesome. do you know who the comedian Ismo is from Finland? Ismo I know. I just, He's you, like the number one comedian in Finland. 
And he told me, you've been pronouncing your name wrong. But, so how does he pronounce my name? And he said, Wasakainen. Wasakainen. Is that how he says it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And he says it with that kind of finished. He looks at me with a grin and he goes, Wasakainen. Wasakainen. <laughs> Makes it sound. Well, to I, me, Finnish sounds like, you know, uh, <laughs> speaking of Star Wars, a Greedo in Star Wars when they're at the cantina <laughs> and then Han Solo is talking to the bounty hunter. Solo <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Very percussive. You sound like you my know. relatives. Yeah, it's got that very percussive yeah. sound. Yeah. Well, I pronounce yeah. it wrong every week on the Everybody show. And Dave does. hasn't corrected yeah. me once, well, so I just keep know. doing it. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> That would sound good as Palpatine. <laughs> That's it. We could start a new, uh, a new franchise. We're going to keep that. We're going to sample that. Say it again one more time. We one more, Nick. Okay. Wasikainen. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> I was just thinking. The so new, tell uh, your family they've been saying it wrong. Yeah, I will. I will. I was <laughs> just thinking a new Star Wars movie in, in Finnish. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. It's a whole new. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah. You've gotten over there. You, you've had a chance to get over there, have you? In Helsinki, have you been there, Nick? Oh no, I haven't. No, I've never been to yeah. Finland. Yeah, you'd love it. I, the I, only other Scandinavian country other yeah. than Iceland I've been to is uh, Denmark. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If, oh, I guess we mentioned that Nick is coming well, from Iceland. We said they yeah, live yeah. in Iceland now. He's calling us from Iceland. Yeah. Speaking of which, yeah. I mean, and one of the other uh, movies that he did voices on was Frozen. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you know that uh, being part of that. Uh, I'm sure it didn't hurt your pocketbook at all. Yeah. yeah, no, I, I, and I, to this day, I can't remember what I did on it because it was a small part and I've never seen the movie. Wow. <laughs> and I used to do so much of that kind of work that, you know, if it's not like a major part that I remember, I, a lot of times I don't bother. Do you have a, down, a favorite but, role? Uh, I mean, you've done so much. You have one role that, that sticks out to in, you. In voiceover? Or voiceover or acting, either, uh, either one. Oh, well, I would say in voiceover, probably, oh God, there's a bunch. I mean, I really love doing Vlada in The Critic. Um, uh, the Critic, uh, for those of you guys who don't know, it's a spinoff. It, it was done by the Simpsons people, uh-huh. and it was starring John Lovitz, and it was an animated show. It was not in the style of The Simpsons, really, but it was very funny and it was very creative. And I, I liked the main character. I did a bunch. I, I would do sometimes 20, 25 voices per episode on that thing. Wow. Maurice LaMarche and I did like 90% of the voices on it. Uh-huh. And, but my, my main guy was this uh, obsequious restaurant owner named Vlada Vilamirovich. You know, they just had this <laughs> weird, uh, weird attitude. I guess acting-wise, I, I always feel, I always come back to... Um, it was when I did Lost, the first episode I did in Lost, it was just this great script with this great character that totally resonated with me because he was Australian, but he was a total nerd. Huh. You know, I mean, they, they dressed me like, you know, in all these sort of washed out colors, uh-huh. you know, and I just totally got into that thing because I've known some Australian nerds <laughs> and I, I based, I, you know, and you people think of all. Aussies, these yeah. big macho guys yeah, throwing yeah. out a throw on the barbie, mate, what do you reckon? Hey, whatever you reckon. You, see <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not a knife. But uh, I'd heard this preacher on, uh, it wasn't a preacher, it was like a minister on late night uh, TV in Melbourne yeah. when I was down there. And he just had this little thin, reedy voice, and he was on. He ran a singles group for his uh, church, and he was talking about these singles, almost as if they were disabled people. You know? 
Yeah, we like to go by their houses, maybe bring some food, make sure they have something to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just so adorable, but yeah. he just had that reedy voice. And then there's an Australian folk singer named Slim Dusty. Huh. And he had a sort of sort of thin voice like that. So I, I that was influenced by that voice. But the, the character was also had a, a lot of internal emotional stuff going on, you know, because he was psychic. And I related to that, you mm. know, through my meditation practice. So I, that was just a role. I thought it was really well written. And I thought I, I found a lot of stuff that I could relate to in it. So I, I really enjoyed doing that one. That's cool. And then, of course, we mentioned earlier the the Russian president on uh, Twenty Four. You, you did a couple seasons of him, so I mean that must have been yeah, that, that, that like was three a, seasons. And the last season, they made me the villain, which is it's great when you're on Twenty Four and they make you the bad guy all of a sudden, unexpectedly. Yeah, that's gold, man. You can't the, beat that. Oh, right? Yeah, you were threatening to to blow up the U.S. or something like that. Was that the? Yeah, like it turned out at the end of season eight, it turns out I was responsible for everybody getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> and to me. The way I played that character, when I first got the role, when they first wrote it, it was kind of Putin-esque, you know, yeah. it was kind of a hard-ass. Yeah. Then they rewrote the episode, the first episode I did, where it was more neutral. Uh-huh. And I chose to play him kind of like the diplomats I'd grown up around right. when I was living in Europe when I was a kid. Uh-huh. Just kind of dignified and... and uh, polite and yeah. kind of keeping his uh, power I miss guys under like the that. surface, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and which is unusual on 24 because everybody's always playing status on that show. Mm-hmm. You know, if you watch it, especially in CT, uh, CTU, it was yeah. uh, just every, you know, status games is all it is. And, yeah. and my guy didn't do that, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so they ended up writing into that and making me and my wife the sort of sane, rational couple as opposed to Greg Itson and Gene Smart's, right. you know, wacky, dysfunctional couple. Right, right. So that was kind of cool. And then, in the, then at the end, they flipped me, and I'm like the last guy you would expect to be the evil guy at the end. It was, wow. I love that. Wow. Yeah, you don't want to get killed. 24, you don't want to get killed, and you want to be made a bad guy. <laughs> so if they ever come back, actors out there, that's what you want. Uh, Stay alive and hopefully become a villain. Are you still doing uh, steady acting work now, Nick? I'm not doing as much as I used to. No, I do some stuff here. That, there's actually a lot of stuff here. Uh, I haven't been pursuing it because I sort of fell in love with uh, stand-up comedy and, and various offshoots of that, like solo shows and mm. incorporating music into stand-up comedy, incorporating improv into stand-up comedy, just kind of making my own kind of stand-up comedy that I relate to. And that's been a real fascination for me. And also, you know, by the time I left L.A., I was kind of getting burnt out, you know, on, on doing mostly TV, you know, because you do so much auditioning and then, you know, you it keep never doing stops. guest star roles and recurring. I mean, it, it was it was fun. Yeah. It was great. You know, I made money. I had a great time met a lot of great people. Yeah. But I, I needed a break from that. I wanted to create my own stuff, you know. Yeah. And the great thing about stand-up, which, you know, I, I only got into when I – uh, moved to Iceland as opposed to improv stand-up, you can just, you can write anything you want, you know? You can, you you, you own the stage, you're up there by yourself, you can write about anything, you can perform right. it any way you want, right. it just, has, you know, it either works or it doesn't, you know? Right. And, um, uh, I, I just, I really love that, and that's that's mostly what I've been doing lately. You've been out, how, how long, it's been, what? Over four years. Yeah, I remember that's when you were now. going, and it's like really, become home for you now, right? Does it feel like that? It, yeah, I, I just one, I, I kept coming back. Yeah. I, I was there three, three times. And the third yeah. time I was visiting there is one night was I, I played a gig actually. And after the gig, 
I was sitting in my favorite wine bar and I just thought, man, I can't think of any reason that I care about not to move here. And it just seemed it's a good place like to totally, be, yeah, it was totally out of the blue, but yeah. it was, it was just a heart feeling like I belong here. I'm glad. And so, yeah. uh, and I never looked back. I never yeah. questioned it yeah. after that decision. Like, unlike most things in my life, you know, I think all of us, you know, we make a big decision. It's like, ah, oh, God, am I doing the right thing? Jeez. Mm. You know? But I was pleased. in Iceland, I yeah. never had any doubts. Yeah. And so, yeah. wow. and it's worked out. I love it more than I ever did. I was pleased to, to, to see you do that blues thing with the, fa- uh, you did, um, I just want, do we have that? Yeah, we do. We do. You yeah. Do I was going to say, before we run out of time, I do want to circle back to Nick's music. Uh, what, what's the, so you're doing a blues band now that, uh, is that uh, a re- an ongoing thing? It was for a while. Uh, we lost our main venue. They just decided to stop doing music. Um, and then we did a few other ones. We just went to Copenhagen recently and had oh. a great show there. Wow. But yeah, we're looking for a new venue. It's like, um, the, the, the other main guy in, in the group is Becky Smaury, who's a great Icelandic guitar player. Wow. And we play completely different styles and we work really well together. And then the, the drummer, Alsi, and the bass player, Stebby, they're both really good. Yeah. It's, it's a good kick-ass blues band. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I, you know, I used to do that once a week. I would not even pick up the guitar electric guitar except that one night a week yeah. and it was just real easy we would show up there and we do our thing and now we have to sort of create something yeah, yeah. and we're all busy with other stuff so we're going to do it but meanwhile i'm i'm writing a lot of songs well, let's I hear did a show uh, not to interrupt nick because let's just hear a little bit of, oh, uh, of uh i just want to make love to you from nick's blues band um and then we'll uh, maybe hear a little of your original stuff that you've done recently too cool so ruby
That's I, killer. This might be my favorite version of this song yet. Yeah. I, Will, Willie Dixon would approve. Yeah, I like it. Willie yeah, Dixon like would it. definitely approve, man. I, that was, that was I commented. Yeah, mix, uh, mix the muddy water uh, with the fog. Yeah, I commented to Andy. I said, you got the concubine fill in there from uh, Amore, the record that we did. I think you like that oh, record. What's that? What is that? It was a little fill at the end where he got rocking. That's the fill. And you told me once, but I really dig that fill. That was Friedrich Julianson. Yeah, he's good. playing with us at the time. He's real good. Sounds really good, man. Does the band have a name, Nick, or is it just? It's Nick Jameson, Becky Smarty. Love okay, it. and is yeah. it, it, you said you don't have a website or anything. I mean, there's no way people can no, buy I, that I song suck. or find it because people would pay for that song. People would pay for that version of that song. I know. I, know. I got so much stuff, but you know, like I was having a conversation with Eric Bazillion one yeah. time, and he was saying, you know, if I wrote one of us today, what would I do? Put it on Facebook, you know? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. like back in the day, you know, you made a record and some record company put it out. Now yeah. you got to do all this work and yeah. I'm a lazy bastard when it yeah. comes to that. Yeah. I'd rather make music. You but know? you're not, you're making music. You're always creating. It's not that. It's the, it's the promoting marketing part of it. That's I always just opinions. don't like doing that yeah, stuff. It's and tough. it's necessary. Yeah. But I don't like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking for people to hire yeah. to do that yeah. stuff for me. Yeah. You know, so, because yeah. I do, you know, I do want to get stuff out there. I yeah. make a lot of stuff. Well, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm telling you, people would definitely, yeah. would, would, would Well, would Nick, we're going to talk. I got something going on. I want to talk Dave might be able to help you with yeah, that. Yeah, let, let, yeah, yeah. All yeah. right, you're on. We'll chat. Yeah, yeah. Well, well later I'll yeah. reach out to you, but I've got some stuff going on and sitting, you know. Let's talk about a great. couple of these other new songs that you uh, sent us. Um, you got the ballad in Mary's Eyes, and then you got yeah. the, you got like kind of a po- uh, like a hip hop comedy thing called I Ain't Shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's shit, about so. a, it's, that's just a story of a low self esteem rapper. Yeah. <laughs> Something that's never existed before. No, no. Yeah. we we got time to do to play them both. Uh, which one you want to start with? Uh, we haven't done any comedy. Let's do I Ain't Shit. All right, this is Nick Jameson, uh, I Ain't Shit. 
man. I'm tired of all these whack-ass booty head rappers talking about they the best. Got more money, got more hoes, all that. You know, that's some old bullshit. I don't roll like that. Cause I tell you straight up, I ain't about shit. Really though. Check it out. I ain't shit. You think you know different? You don't. You think I represent? I won't. I ain't rich. I won't fuck your bitch. My reputation ain't worth the crayon I'm writing this with. If I look at you hard, I'm just fronting. You won't fuck with me? Go ahead. I ain't gonna do nothing. Got $22 in my bank account. Worked all day sucking police dick to earn out of my My pop said I got a self-esteem problem, but that ain't it. It's like I said, I ain't shit. not know I love these hoes yeah give them all my money every damn cent hoping one might give me some pussy one day ain't happened yet got no juice no skills no game one for the fact I'm constantly thinking about stupid shit couldn't tell you for sure I got a brain my dick so pathetic when I jack off I put myself to sleep five minutes I'm snoring cause my technique is so boring I get a stomachache when I drink the eight. Didn't ever learn to eat pussy cause my moms told me to make me gain weight. Now you may laugh at these words I spit, but that just proved my point. I ain't shit. Pussy-ass lame, you best believe I'm the best. Yeah. Or I'll put six holes in your motherfucking chest. Or at least five, maybe four. And if I miss, which I probably will, I'll run over my uncle's house, borrow some more bullets, come back, shoot at your ass some more. Booyah. Got a fake-ass prison shank made of balsa wood. <laughs> Last time I kicked an ass, broke my goddamn foot. I'm the sorriest-ass gangster the world's ever known. When I put up graffiti, it says, please leave my poor bitch made ass alone. I'm that motherfucker you don't want to lend your car to because I will probably lose it or crash it into a tree or some shit. Don't depend on me if you get in a beef because I will just bitch out and leave you with your dick in your hand because I'm not in my dumb ass fool ass chump ass country ass useless ass ignorant ass bitch. That's what the fuck I'm talking about. But here's where the shit gets real. Rolling in my six foot, smoking oregano. Where I'm going, I don't know. End up in the wrong neighborhood. Not that I should really care. Whack ass colors I rock could get me shot anywhere. Shit, it's my ass this time. I know they're gonna get me. 
fuck it if it's like that I'ma take some of it with me Like a samurai I breathe deep Taking the beauty of the night I may have fucked up my whole goddamn life But at least I'ma die right Roll up on the spot where the OG's hanging Ill-mannered, foul-tempered people Serious about they banging Cock my AK Get ready to spray Scream out They're nice adjacent motherfuckers They're like, <laughs> yeah, whatever, Nicky J. Now, as I show you my behind, please say it with me one last time. That is, if you don't mind. Y'all ready? I ain't shit. Folks, that was from the guy that voiced a uh, voice on Frozen. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell the people in Frozen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Disney might have to pull you out of the movie after this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, right. Uh, he's uh, got you know, Dave, a um, little bit of drum geekery. You can probably hear there's a triplet on the end of each bar. In the yeah. Verse. So, doom, boom, yeah, like a really sick beat. Actually, yeah, really it, like I was beat. listening. It's 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 great, though, man. Nice job. Nice. We're gonna have to oh, put thanks. a parental warning on this show when we put it on. Oh on, on yeah, no, I know. <laughs> we already I have one. I yeah. <laughs> we got one. It's that, fine. That's cool, man. It's fine. It's fine. Man. Uh, that's. Uh, did you have you have a good time coming uh, writing the lyrics for that, or is that? Uh, oh yeah, it was fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I do a lot of hip hop. I do a lot of freestyling. Yeah, I do a lot of writing. I, I do a lot of hip hop shows. I'm, yeah, I'm I got major. a lot of that. Stuff. I've been into freestyling for a long time. Yeah. It's so cool. So, yeah. it's, it's so cool how many different styles of music you've you've played, you've done over the years. I mean, you know, you going from, you know, blues yeah, rock and like rock hat yeah. to to you know jazz and and funk and 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 you know straight up hip hop, you know, comedy hip hop. Yeah. It, it, that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess is that one of the things that keeps you inspired, just trying different things. And well, that's just yeah, that's always been my thing. And in a way, in music and acting, they're sometimes seen as a liability to be too versatile. Like you want to just do one thing and nail it. You know, a lot of you know, a lot of people are successful do that, especially in voiceover. I'd say, but the other approach is just to be super versatile and do a whole lot of snacks, stuff and make that work for you. And I really didn't have any choice because that's just the way I am. You know what I mean? I just I'm I'm a kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. I just do. Uh, you know, you're, master, you're master of a lot, my friends. Yeah, I try to do them well, you know, but I I, I can't just sit on one thing yeah. for too long. Mm. You know, and and. I'll do something and then I'll leave it and then I'll come back to it and then incorporate it, whatever I'm doing then. And that's what I'm trying to do now. I'm just, that's what I love about the live stuff I'm doing. I can incorporate everything I've ever done, you know, whether voices, character voices, accents, uh, written stand up, improvised stuff, improvised songs, comedic songs. And when I did my friend show, it was, uh, you know, it was half comedy and half not comedy. So I got to do that too. So. Amazing. It all works out in the yeah. end. You all pull yeah. it all together. You yeah. know. Well, speaking of versatility, I haven't heard in Mary's eyes yet, yeah. but I assume it sounds completely different than yeah. I ain't shit. It, yeah. That is completely different from anything you've ever heard me do. Well, let's just hear <laughs> a little. The first song I ever yeah. wrote in Iceland. 
Really? Oh, really? Wow. Well, let's hear a little of it. It's funny. Uh, real quick. Oh, oh, Dave wants to say Charlie, Charlie called him. Charlie Ingui called me this morning because he, he wasn't sure if you oh. were in town. But I know Charlie and Millie will be checking this out today because Charlie's oh, actually cool. been on, but he oh, called shout me. Shout out to Charlie. Yeah, really yeah. I said people. that we would do a shout out to him. I okay, said, there cool. you go. Right, yeah. Let's hear a little of In Mary's Eyes from Nick James. stars dance upon the mountains flies the wishing bird in the silent sky restless rustling clouds weep upon the water these things I see in Mary's eyes Battles lost and won, sorrows slowly mended, woven threads of secrets folded deep inside, longing for the lost ever remembered, all living still in Mary's eyes. When my days grow dark They are my savior Though I can't tell you Which way her heart lies But if in all the world I should find favor Then let it be in Mary's eyes That's beautiful. Yeah. That's, yeah. Wow. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Hopefully, that's going to be in a movie. It's. I mean, it'll definitely be in there if the director, writer has anything to say about it. The movie's kind of in development hell right now. It's going to like two different studios, and mm. things keep 
you know, being in flux, but it's a really good script. And I really hope it gets did you write it. it, spe- it will. Did you write it specifically for a movie or, or no. And it's un- interesting because I, I, I just wrote it and, um, then the director heard it. He said, Oh my God, I got to have in the movie. And he said, there's a scene where the main character is reminiscing about his ex and he's having all these sort of visions flash before his eyes and stuff. And the person is named Mary actually. <laughs> so it like totally is perfect for the movie. So, and, and, and I really like the movie. So I'm hoping that I'm hoping that it'll all work out. Hope so. Hey, uh, Taylor, uh, let's play, uh, our commercial from uh, behavioral pediatrics and ABA therapy associates before we run out of time. And then we'll come back and wrap things up with Nick. Hi, my name is Gabe and I have autism. When I was diagnosed with autism, I realized it was hard for me to do what people call normal. For example, I would get easily upset and overreact to small problems. When it was time for me to go to college, I had an especially hard time. That's when I went to Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates. Gabe made the right choice. They helped me prepare for college with my interests in mind. They taught me coping strategies, organization skills, and self-advocacy. Not only that, they boosted my confidence using evidence-based treatment programs such as Think Confident, Be Confident. This helped me prepare for employment opportunities as a peer mentor here at Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates. We are dedicated to improving the lives of teens and young adults with autism. Thanks to them, I'm better prepared for college and can continue my life's journey. Now I can pursue a career in animation and continue my job as a peer mentor. Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates in Lansdale, PA. Call us at 267-663- Seven one four one. All right, thanks, and we're back with the the great, great Nick Jameson. This 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 hour and ten minutes or so, it just flew by, didn't it, Dave? I mean, oh great! It's, it was just, just you know, and and we could with Nick, you could, we could have done a six hour show with him because he's done so much and so much to talk about. I mean, we well, got to get you back guys, again. Nick. We like to talk. Don't yeah, we? yeah. Hey, Nick, any plans to get back to the West Coast at any time? And I was just there actually. Oh, you I were. Was, uh, yeah, I went. I was there for like ten days. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I didn't, you know, I mostly hang out with friends and take care of some business. But I did one comedy show at Flappers, which was a lot of fun. Oh, cool! And then, then I went right to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival uh-huh. and uh, did a bunch of stuff there. Right. I didn't have my own show, but I did a bunch of guest spots and late night stuff. And oh, it was cool! Really a blast. Oh, I'm totally going to bring my show there next year. Oh, great! What so, about what about the East Coast? What about coming back and doing some shows in Philly? Any man, years? I'd love to. Yeah, yeah, I really need to. I haven't been in Philly for a while. Yeah. I've been in New York for come on. a real long time. Well, let us come know. on down, man. We'll go down yeah. to shore, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I you need know, to come back. Yeah, I miss everybody. You're welcome anytime. I mean, Nick stayed with us, and you know we. You know, it was great times always hanging with Nick. So come over. <laughs> come on. Yeah, man. Figured I should tell you one thing about that Mary song. I wrote it on an octave mandolin and played it on octave mandolin, which Eric turned me on to. It's an instrument that uh, Eric Brazilian hit yeah. me to. Yeah. And uh, we call it a mandolin yeah. just because it sounds better in a Philly accent. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. and I, since then, I've been writing like almost all my stuff on that. Yeah. I, I use that thing 90% of the time. I rarely play an acoustic guitar. Wow. So thank uh, you, Baz. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure he'll be. Uh, you know, he'll listen. He'll check it out. Um, uh, so yeah. Well, anyway, thank you, Nick. Man, I'll tell you, it's it. it we, the hour just uh, it, it, this was zoomed great. by, you know, and uh, yeah, well, I've enjoyed you know, it. Thanks, you brought, yeah. brought back some good memories. <laughs> yeah, good times, you know. So, uh, but I'm gonna I'll reach out to you uh, off off the air, and we'll chat. <laughs> cool absolutely stuff out the great nick jameson thanks again so much nick 
All right, you guys. All right, Take be care. safe. All right. All right. Uh, that was that was great. Yeah. Hey, yeah. before we run out of time, let's do another plug for the upcoming In the Pocket show. Uh, October 5th. October 5th at the Armour mm. Music Hall. Go on mm. songsinthepocket.org. Get your tickets now, Get man. Get your tickets. I'm sure they'll sell out. They're uh, selling tickets. Yeah. So uh, it'd be a great night yeah. of music. And of course, you'll be playing some music from the American Dream. But, yeah. Uh, you know, that, yeah. Most likely. And uh, well, w- Wink's with you. So mm. you'll, um, we have the, um, we have the um, <clears throat> October 24th show that we're going to honor our buddy Glenn Goss. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, which is going to be a lot of fun. And, um, I uh, got some friends coming from Los Angeles for that, and that's going to be you know people from the East Coast. What I see, you're doing a show coming up with Kenny Aronson and Quentin Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're going to play over at little at Dawson's, that place up there in uh, is that Roxburgh or is it Maniunk? I don't know which. It's, I think I, it's. I don't want. I don't want to say the wrong thing. Yeah, so, it's but, a neat little bar. We're going to play there on the twentieth of. Uh, September? Or? September, yeah. All right, the yeah, cool, cool little yeah, uh, r- yeah, rock and blues yeah. trio. And I'm doing yeah. something with my friend Z there the week before. All right. And, uh, you know, you know. Just, just follow Dave on social media. You'll see all, yeah. that, all that stuff. So, yeah. uh, What did I miss? Did I miss anything? Because if I miss somebody's going to say, you didn't say so-and-so, but I got, you know. All right. Well, if you missed it now, it'll be on your Facebook yeah. and Instagram. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. all right. Well, Nick was great. The, the music was great. Go, go buy his uh, album on iTunes. It's, you know, 40 years old, but uh, already free. You can get yeah. it for five bucks. and. Uh, unfortunately, you can't get any of his other solo stuff yeah. because he doesn't have a website. But yeah. uh, you can find a lot of it on YouTube. So yeah. uh, thanks to Taylor Behind the Glass. Another great job. Thanks to Philly Rock Radio, Wildfire Radio, Behavioral Pediatrics and ABA Therapy Associates, Croker Percussion. For Dave, I'm yeah. Andy. And yeah. we'll see you next week. Catch you later. On In the Pocket. Yeah.